Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays and it's a Wednesday. It's March 15th. We have ASU competing in the first four tournament against Nevada. It wraps up the uh, last game of the day and the last game of the first four before the madness truly unleashes itself on Thursday. We have plenty to get into NFL free agency and trade wise when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals and beyond. We'll be joined by Mike Tanier of Football Outsiders around 10-15 today to dive into all of that. We'll have the Valspar picks in addition to the Suns, losers of three in a row after they lost to the Bucks last night. And uh, definitely want to touch on some comments from uh, ASU President Michael Crow as he spoke with the state press and uh, that report coming out here this morning. So plenty to get into, plus your phone calls as well. 602-260-1060 is the number, and we'll take those calls around 1030 and 1115 today. But as we typically do, let's set the scene with the poll questions. First poll question, the KDOS1060.com question, who wins Wednesday night in Dayton, ASU or Nevada? And well, Bob, your conversation with Chris Murray from Nevada Sportsnet. Mm -hmm. If you missed that, you can podcast over at KDOS1060.com. Did nothing to sway the voters as ASU (laughs) remains at 100% of the vote. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of our ASU questions in the last, you know, two, three weeks have been (laughs) anti-ASU. So they make tournament and uh, happy, happy, joy, joy, uh, go, go, go Sun Devils, I guess, at this point, huh? Yeah, or maybe uh, Nevada just stumbling into this event and then uh, a lot of people not really saying that they're deserving of this bid. You can make certainly a case against, you know, losing the last three games. And, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, I did all these uh, you know, capsules for myself to you know, basically get ready for the tournament for a variety of reasons, including obviously this show. And uh, Nevada was a team I kind of kicked to the curb. They lost a home. They lost their last home game of the season to a very mediocre UNLV team, uh, which is actually going to be really good in the next couple of years, but not necessarily this year over Kevin Kruger. Uh, former ASU player, now the head coach at UNLV. Uh, they, they certainly recruited well starting next year, uh, but to lose to them at home in the last uh, game of the season, the regular season, then they lost in their one game, as it turns out, in the uh, the Mountain West tournament. They lost uh, to San Jose State, which has improved, but they're not very good. So, you know, they kind of stumbled into the tournament. I thought they were not going to make it, and they actually did. So these are the last two teams that actually made the tournament as far as at large bids if you just go by the seeding process. 
We'll answer that question today around 1130 on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Are you following Team USA in the World Baseball Classic? Team USA plays tonight against Columbia 7 p.m. on FS1. Diamondbacks pitcher Merrill Kelly set to get the start tonight. No out in front, though, at 78.6% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 21.4%. Yeah, I'm curious. I was, you know, part of the reason we posted this as a question, at least for me, is I'm just curious to whether people are interested in. uh, If you're, I guess you, you if you're not interested in Team USA and must-win situation, I guess you're probably not interested. So once again, we'll answer that question around 1130. Mike Tanier, football outsider, set to join us here around 1015. But the new league year, it officially begins today, 1 p.m. local time. Here's what's uh, happened so far with the Arizona Cardinals. Let's run through it. Won't take too long. Wide receiver Greg Dortch has signed his one-year tender. The team released Marcus Golden. The team reached a two-year deal with offensive lineman Kelvin Beecham. That's, I guess, fascinating based upon his comments about Kyler Murray last week. Team reached a two-year deal with kicker Matt Prater. Team re-signed running back Corey Clement on a one-year deal. Mike Garofolo is reporting that the Cardinals have agreed to terms on a two-year deal with Will Hernandez worth $9 million. As for the retaining of some key free agents, the Cardinals will not do that. Zach Allen off to the Broncos on a three-year, $45.75 million deal with $32.5 million guaranteed. Byron Murphy, two-year deal with the Vikings for roughly $22 million per Ian Rappaport. That so far wraps up what has happened for the Arizona Cardinals in that free agency tampering period. Yeah, and Byron Murphy is apparently headed to the Vikings. So uh, you, know, you can make a case that yeah, they didn't have very many good players last year. Uh, in, as I talked about a little bit yesterday, I thought Allen was actually this Cardinals' best player last year when he was on the field. Unfortunately, he missed some time, obviously, at the end because of his injury. Uh, Murphy, I thought, was their most improved player last year. He missed some time uh, because of injury. Then J.J. Watt, I thought, played you know, pretty well uh, much of the season, and he retired. So you can make a case that those are three of the four best defensive players from a year ago. I think that's a pretty easy case to make with Buda Baker being the fourth guy. So let's just take a recap here for the 2019 Arizona Cardinals draft class. What are they up to? Well, Kyler Murray, the number one overall selection, he's rehabbing his ACL surgery. Byron Murphy, he's off to the Vikings now. Andy Isabella, last look, he was with the Ravens. Zach Allen, he is now going to be with the Broncos. Hakeem Butler, he's suiting up for the St. Louis Battlehawks in the XFL. Deontay, Go Battlehawks. Yes, All right. the Battlehawks. Deontay Thompson, he's on the Jaguars practice squad. Keyshawn Johnson, he's on the Bills practice squad. Lamont Gelliard, not on an NFL roster. Josh Miles, not on an NFL roster. Michael Dogby, maybe he resigns with the Cardinals, and maybe you could argue here that, uh, well, one, I didn't realize until I was looking this up, I thought Michael Dogby was a free agent acquisition, like a, an undrafted free agent. I didn't mm. realize that he was also part of that seventh-round uh, class with the Cardinals. But he had some playing time, and he could potentially uh, make his way back on the roster. But Yeah, he's been Mr. Preseason, basically. If he doesn't, that means there is one person part of the Arizona Cardinals team from that 2019 draft class 
Not terribly surprising, quite frankly, because uh, you know we went, we've gone through obviously when Steve Kime was a general manager, and uh, we had quite a few topics and uh, questions about uh, you know draft classes, and we you know were thinking that the, the Cardinals might actually have the first overall pick at one point uh, last season. I thought that was a possibility at least, and uh, you know they've drafted poorly. You know, really, Kime's strength uh, the uh, as a GM was. Not necessarily just in free agent signings, but especially late free agent signings. And that seems to be where he did his best work. But uh, they've done a poor job in the draft for many years. And I guess that's probably the worst draft of all, the one that you just went through there. I do want to go back for one second here when I was going through the list of transactions that uh, will be taking place once the new league year officially begins today at 1 p.m. local time. What happened in that tampering period? I forgot to mention uh, former Eagles linebacker Kaiser White is signing a two year $11 million deal with the Cardinals. So he is uh, coming here and following his former defensive coordinator, now Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon. So that is one addition in the free agency period. So I'm not sure what that means for Collins and Simmons, but uh, you know it's not the first time that they've made a transaction, and we've wondered what's that mean for Simmons. Yeah, maybe you have to to find another role for him. Maybe just go hunt a quarterback. Possibly, even though you know, certainly I think his coverage skills aren't too bad, if, unless you're putting him on a running back, which was in a tight end occasionally, which was not seemingly the best scheme. Uh, but we'll see. Also, this isn't surprising, and I actually agree with the thing. If they're just, like, tearing it down and starting over, I'm totally for that. Uh, you know, and Austin Ford obviously is not tied to any of these players. He didn't draft any of them. He didn't sign any of them. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, you know, that, that, you know, a lot of times teams get in a rut because they felt like, well, we, we drafted him and we've invested in him, and even if they're bad, they keep them. And that's, I think, the wrong route sometimes. That was going to be my next question to explore here, if we can try to figure out what some of this means. I mean, Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, them contributing as much as they did on the defense, is this more of a sign of, uh, you know, the new regime just wants to kind of rebuild and start over, and therefore whatever Zach Allen was going to be commanding three years, $45.75 million deal with $32.5 million guaranteed, not something that they wanted to commit to, that they'd rather just get their own players in here and that really truly this is going to be a rebuild yes uh definitely think it is uh and yeah Allen got paid uh murphy really didn't get paid so that tells me that they just didn't think that much of murphy i can't imagine that the cardinals wanted to keep him that the financial agreement that he reportedly has with the vikings if that whether that prevented them from re-signing murphy i don't think that played a role Interesting there. So I wonder if just the the new the new defensive system doesn't think that my, uh, Byron Murphy, uh, you know, is going to be a perennial corner. That maybe he's more of a slot guy. Not really sure what exactly that means, or just a fresh break. Oh, that's kind of what he was before. I mean, he was really strictly a slot guy, and he was good at it. Uh, his first couple of years, last year he was much better outside, and in man coverage he was better. Now he's going to a team in Minnesota, unless they have a drastic change, and they have changed coordinators in Minnesota. But you know they played a ton of zone last year, something we talked about quite a bit. And they gave up a bunch of yards, but they also it was kind of the bend but don't break approach 
uh, in Minnesota. And ironically, he's, he's to some extent replacing Patrick Peterson in Minnesota, who has moved on to Pittsburgh. And that's another team that's a good fit for Peterson because Peterson, certainly at this stage of his career, is more of a zone corner than he is a man-to-man guy. And Pittsburgh, obviously, for years has played, but the majority of their coverages have been zone defense. All right, so uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's speaking right now, and according to Ian Rappaport, what he just said, uh, I will say this, this isn't a decision day. This isn't me announcing to the world what's going on. We're days past this. This is clearing things up. All righty Okay, then. so I'll say this. He's just jerking us around for another few days. Uh, that's what it appears like. I saw a tweet last yesterday. It was pretty good. It was Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Packers, the GM of the Jets, and owns the Bears. <laughs> I was like, that is a good tweet. That is very good. Yes, very impressive. <laughs> More NFL conversation. Mike Tanier of Football Outsiders is set to join us on the other side of the break uh, right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. All you have to do right now, listen, and uh, you're entered in for the Superbook prize pack, including a $100 gift certificate uh, or $100 Visa card. So you can use it anywhere you would like just by listening on the app. So make sure you're downloading the KDOS 1060 app to be eligible for all of that. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060 online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We're going to head on out to the KDOS hotline as we're going to dive into NFL free agency, trades, and much more, all with Mike Tanier uh, with Football Outsiders. Mike, Bob, and Kayla, how are you today? I'm doing great, but I think like most of the world, I'm scrolling with one hand and watching the Pat McAfee podcast with the other hand, waiting for this filibuster to stop and for Aaron Rodgers to say something that makes sense. <laughs> filibuster might be the perfect word for how I'm seeing it being described on Twitter as well. Uh, I was just listening to some of it. I mean, it's a, just a rambling fool here. <laughs> he loves the sound of his own voice more oh. than he loves money. <laughs> We'll get well. Let's just start here with Aaron Rodgers, and at least from a New York Jets side of things, here they did go uh, ahead yesterday, agreeing to terms with Alan Lazard. There was this weird Diana Rossini tweet yesterday that said that Aaron kind of had a list of demands of what he would need uh, in order to come to the New York Jets. Just where do we actually think we are? Is he playing football? Is he not playing football? And and how much does this? help the New York Jets if he is quarterbacking the the New York Jets squad. Kayla, while you were speaking, he said that he will play for the Jets. Okay, there we go. play for the Jets. And now they have to work out the trade, according to Rodgers. According to everything else anyone's heard, there are the pretty clear parameters of a trade in place. Now, there was a a, a report a couple of hours ago, maybe an hour ago, that those parameters are not 100% clear. 
But there were parameters in place from everyone else's standpoint a couple days ago. So it looks like now that Aaron Rodgers has allowed all of the uh, insiders to say that he wants to play for the Jets. As long as we're now allowed to say that, I think very quickly in the next 24 hours, the parameters will come out and the deal will get done. Now, my per- now by the way, my personal opinion on what this means for the Jets, this is going to be a disaster. This is going to be a disaster. Think about this in terms of any relationship you've ever been in. If you have to work this hard to please the person before the relationship starts, imagine how bad it's going to be after the after the two sides are together and no one can back out. I believe that the New York Jets are probably going to win about nine games with Aaron Rodgers' quarterback. It's going to be nothing but nonstop soap opera, and they're going to be wondering what they spent all their money in drafting. Sometimes those relationships that are you, know, you try to get involved in work for a while, though, right? <laughs> so yeah, may, may, yeah. maybe immediately it might be okay, and then it goes to hell. Yeah, yeah, and it's like if the Jets had a, were a little more on their own two feet, like the Buccaneers were a couple of years ago, where you know the Buccaneers had you know Pro Bowlers at a lot of positions. The, the, the Jets don't. The Jets have like Rookie of the Year candidates at a lot of positions. It's a little different, and they still have holes at some of these positions. And mm-hmm. if they weren't in the same division with the Buffalo Bills, where it's like you could go out there and get your head handed to you by a, a still better team and have everybody like pointing fingers at each other afterwards, there's a lot of things with, that make it look like this isn't going to be like a two- or three-year deal that's going to be full of thrills. There's going to be something that feels more like what we saw with Russell Wilson, uh, where the first sign of trouble, the fact that this was that, – that, so that so much of what's happening now is to appease Aaron Rodgers not to necessarily win football games. But so much of that is the focus right now. That's going to come back to haunt the New York Jets. Uh, also here, it appears while both of you were talking that uh, Aaron Rodgers has said that uh, the Packers are the ones digging in their heels in trade talks with the Jets and indicates that he'd like them to get this show on the road. So we'll see oh, how. Well, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers says that it must be true. <laughs> of course, of course. Mike Tanier, NFL conversation here with Football Outsiders. We'll move away from Aaron Rodgers here for a bit and we'll get into the Philadelphia Eagles. They are uh, the representative of the NFC in the Super Bowl. The team was able to re-sign cornerback James Bradbury to a three-year deal. The Eagles lost Javon Hargrave to the 49ers. The Eagles said goodbye to Miles Sanders. They re-signed Boston Scott, agreed to terms with Rashad Penny. Jason Kelsey has decided not to retire. He's coming back. Also see that they might be releasing Darius Slay. Uh, You combine this with the offseason losses to the offensive and defensive coordinator positions. How do we sum up how this offseason is going for the Eagles? It's a controlled skid. (laughs) You're skidding, but uh, they're skidding a little bit, but they've got their foot on the brake and the foot on the steering wheel and the analog brakes, and they're trying to get this under control. So you talked about some of the losses. Uh, they're losing Slay, but they're keeping Bradbury. That puts them in position to, to, to get a little younger and cheaper at cornerback in the draft, for example. Uh, they lost Javon Hardgrave. That was pretty much not going to happen. He, they, he, they were going to lose him no matter what. He, he was going to get a blowout contract from the 49ers. But keeping Kelsey is sort of the surprise. Some of the people they've lost along the way, like Hardgrave, like the linebackers, they drafted to fill those needs last year. That's a good position to be in. You think Jordan Davis can take some of this role, and Kobe Dean can take some of this role. So what they're trying to do is manage how far they drop here. And I, I think so far the Eagles have fallen about as far as they thought they were going to fall in the offseason. They have not, like so far, been rocked or surprised by anything that goes on. And, and, and we're, Howie Roseman in the past has managed situations like this, and I, I think he's still in position to manage this and come out with still the, the strongest uh, roster in the NFC. 
Okay, so let's assume Rodgers is going to the Jets just to get that out of the way here. If we move on from that. So the big, I think the second biggest drama individually in this offseason is Lamar Jackson. So what happens with him? Lamar Jackson is currently under uh, contract with the Ravens due to the franchise tag. He's not signed it yet. Uh, starting at 4 o'clock, I believe teams can really start negotiating with him. Panthers, excuse me, the Ravens have the right of first refusal. They can refuse any offer that's put on the table. Uh, they would get compensated if he leaves. And we've seen already that a lot of teams are not particularly excited about kind of wading into Lamar Jackson's situation when they know that uh, their offer could be refused. They could just be used to drum the price up. Um, and uh, that he has been uh, difficult to difficult to negotiate with for the Ravens. So if you look at the list of potential suitors right now, it has almost dried up. Okay, The Jets are out of the picture. The, the uh, Raiders are out of the picture because they went and grabbed Garoppolo. The Saints are out of the picture. You're looking at teams like the Commanders. Uh, and I want to say the Panthers are out of the picture because they traded up for the first overall pick. So you have a couple, of, handful of teams like the Commanders that might be interested. What I think Lamar Jackson is about to discover is that he does not have the negotiating leverage that he hoped he had. The franchise tag is still there; it's still a problem, and he's got to. His best bet is to go back and try to make, work things out with the Baltimore Ravens. Mike Tanier having a football conversation from Football Outsiders right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. So the Bengals lost safety JC, uh, Jesse Bates to the Falcons, who signed him for the fourth highest paid contract for a safety in NFL history. Looks like this morning as well they're going to be losing tight end Hayden Hurst. Uh, also, Smaji Pirine is out of there for Cincinnati. So how much does all of this impact where they're at or kind of having to clear up some space for some future contracts that are looming large. Yeah, that's what they're doing is clearing out space. And it's another, like, a controlled skid type of thing. I, I think they had penciled in that they were going to lose Bates. They were not going to be able to afford him while budgeting to save Joe Barrow, while budgeting to save Jamar Chase. So uh, you lose Bates, that's big. You lose uh, Von Bell, you should be able to get another safety of Von Bell's caliber. You know, you should be able to develop them through the draft. You should be able to develop running backs through the draft, and they're probably going to need to replace both running backs if you look at Joe Mixon's overall situation. So those are the manageable things. So uh, yeah, they did do a couple things. They, they kept Jermaine Pratt, who's uh, you know one of their better linebackers. You know they're keeping the guys in the trenches in in place. And you know I need to wait and see how the rest of the Bengals offseason unfolds. But like the Eagles, they're at least a position in which nothing unexpectedly bad has happened, and they're kind of doing things the way they expected they were going to have to do them. All right, you mentioned Jimmy G. He's in in Las Vegas. Derek Carr is out. How would you compare Garoppolo and Carr operating Josh McDaniels' offense? Carr is a better quarterback. Uh, Carr is probably better at operating McDaniels' offense, unless McDaniels is like just sour with him and doesn't, and doesn't want to work with him. That creates a different situation. Uh, so, I mean, there's no way of looking at it except that that was a downgrade at quarterback. And, What's interesting for the Raiders is, you know, they downgrade a quarterback, and so you say, well, does that mean you're rebuilding? And they trade Waller uh, to, to the Giants, and like, well, does that mean you're rebuilding? Then they bring in Jacoby Myers, and it sounds like, no, they're not rebuilding. And, of course, they franchise tag Josh Jacobs. So when you first look at their offense, you say that looks like a pretty good offense, all things considered, because Devontae Adams is there, and Garoppolo is a good game manager, et cetera. Then you realize it's, it's deteriorated from what it was last year, and you look at their defense, and that defense is not winning any games for them. And you wonder what this team's plan is to get better. They're very good at like making moves and keeping it quasi-professional, but they're not good at taking the steps they have to make to compete 
for a wild card, let alone compete with a team like the Chiefs in their own division. The Colts released Matt Ryan. They traded Stephon Gilmore to the Cowboys. But from an organizational standpoint, are they poised to do something else crazy before the draft? Like maybe try to move up one spot? They should be looking to move up one spot. Because if I'm the Arizona Cardinals right now, I've got the commanders on the phone. And I've got any other team that might be in the quarterback market on the phone. The Falcons, I think, would fall into that category. And say, here we are at number three. So, yeah, Stroud and Young will probably be gone. You like Levis, you like Richardson, you want to make the move. You do not want to be the Colts and get jumped for what they think is the number three guy and have to sell for the number four guy. So, if I'm the Colts, I'd move up one. So, I at least have a little more control over my destiny. Or maybe maybe I even move up two and see if the Texans will play ball. I don't know. That's a team that hates big, splashy, risky moves. You know, even the Matt Ryan deal was kind of a, a low-key move after all the Deshaun Watson things happened. I don't think they want to take the risk of moving up. I think they're going to sit at number four. If that means the Colts sit at number four and take Will Levis and go through like a growing pains kind of year, I think that's what the Colts are going to do. All right, the NFC West. Uh, the Niners' defensive line already elite got better. <laughs> Uh, the Seahawks are trying to improve. The Rams and the Cardinals seem to be giving up on a lot of their best players. Is that an accurate assessment of the NFC West? Yeah, I'm surprised the 49ers defensive line didn't sack Aaron Rodgers while he was talking. <laughs> uh, you know, adding Hargrave was big. Now, of course, they lost a couple of guys. Samson Ekebon's a, a nice piece. Hargrave is a much better player. Um, but that, that line got better. They're going to be great on defense. And, they're trying to figure out which quarterback is going to be healthy. Um, the Seahawks did get better. They had Dramont Jones. Um, they sort of settled the Geno Smith situation in a way that's comfortable for them. And they've got two first-round picks. So the Seahawks are in position to keep building and staying the course and staying sort of in the rearview mirror of the 49ers. You're right about the other two teams. I mean, the biggest news coming out of the Cardinals is they're kind of keeping – they're kind of bringing back their offensive linemen. And on the one hand, it's like these aren't the best offensive linemen in the NFL by any means. On the other hand, there are about nine of them who are free agents. They've got to bring some of these guys back. Otherwise, they would have to like completely restart the offensive line. So at least they're starting to sift through the, you know, the Will Hernandez's and D.J. Humphreys of the world and figure out who their starting five are going to be. And you're right, the Rams are, the Rams are taking the year off for financial purposes. The Lions have tried to address the defense. They're getting cornerback Emmanuel Mosley. They also are getting Cam Sutton. So this defense now has no excuses but to be improved, right? Yes, and when you factor in, you added two solid corners. You still have Darius Slay, so you have a corner that you drafted who isn't really developing but can still play. He's not a mess if he's your number two or number three. You still got two early draft picks, but originally I was looking at the Lions and saying, oh, they'll draft a cornerback. I believe they're sixth overall, seventh overall. I've lost track. I think it's six. Um, they'll draft a cornerback. They'll draft Christian Gonzalez. Now now they don't have to. Now they could go out there and get, you know, Miles Murphy, this unbelievable uh, edge rusher who's got arms that go all the way to Kansas. But they could go out and get Jalen Carter if he drops and, you know, add that absolute le- level of muscle to their defensive line. So a little bit like the Seahawks, but maybe even – like more impressive in terms of how much rising talent they have. The Lions can take those moves and uh, use them to supplement the draft and really come out there with a totally different defense in 2023. Okay, so we've had tons of you know guys moving in the last you know, 48 hours or so unofficially. I guess it's official here like any minute. But you know, are there still some difference-making players out there? Yeah, there are. You, know, you start, first of all, at the running back position. 
and I, I come from the analytics field uh, where we, we kind of do the whole running backs don't matter. But if you look at some of the guys out there, it started with the fact that Ezekiel Elliott just just popped on the uh, uh, you know on, on the radar, somebody who could be there. That's the case. You look at positions like uh, defensive line. There are a lot of guys like Fletcher Cox who, if you are a contender, you can go grab this guy. I think Akeem Hicks would fall into that category. Guys who can still play at that level. Um, And there's other veterans. I'm looking at the offensive line. Donovan Smith is out there as a veteran who had to get cut for cap purposes. He's available. He could help a team. So it's not like it's super off off the charts impact guys, but we didn't enter free agency with many super off the charts impact guys except for you know guys like rogers who are in the special situation if you're a contender and you need an extra piece for a year you can get that if you're a young team and you're looking for somebody who can bring in leadership particularly a position like the offensive line or you know a running back to soak up carries and and to you know kind of be the bell cow those guys are available too Mike Tanier, NFL conversation coming to us from Football Outsiders right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, Patrick Peterson, he's headed east to play with the Steelers now. So what did we see from his game with the Vikings last season, and can he be an asset with the Steelers this season? You know, his season ended badly. He did not play particularly well late in the year. I don't think he looked good in that Giants playoff game. And so I went back and looked at him a little bit because in my brain it's like, oh, Peterson had a great career, and he's kind of done. And then if you watched him, like, in the Bills game and some of those other games, like the toughest the toughest matchups he faced, he played really well in those games. Uh, so it might have been a matter of, you know, what was happening with the defense around him. Maybe he's mixed up at the end of the season and not saying anything about it. It looks like he can still play at a pretty high level, not what he was, you know, seven, eight years ago, but use that, like, professionalism and experience to overcome the fact that he's lost the staff. Steelers are a great team. If you come in as an older veteran – and you sort of have a more designated role. Steelers have been doing this for many years. They did it with Joe Hayden years ago. Come in, play cornerback. We're not going to make you chase Tyreek Hill all over creation. We're going to put you on a side of the field, let you play like a cover three, and let you use your experience. I think that's going to be a great uh, opportunity for Patrick Peterson to extend, extend his career. Okay, last up for me. And it's only two days, but a lot of guys have you know, changed teams and locations. So are there a couple of teams you think have improved the most in the last – two days and how about a couple of teams that maybe you've lost the most i think the chicago bears have done the most starting with that trade that brought in dj moore and a bunch of draft picks for the first overall pick you can see their plan moving forward right now you, you can see that they've upgraded their offense already added some players on defense and added draft picks. i think that's a that's a big win for them i would add in terms of teams that aren't just like you know, the Texans, where it's like, oh, you added guys and you stunk last year, so you're better now. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really count. Yeah, the Dolphins bringing in Jalen Ramsey, I think, is a big boon. And I would add to that the Dallas Cowboys being able to bring in Stephon Gilmore, re-sign Leighton Vander Esch, and, uh, and, you know, sort of retain that defense and add to it. What you want to be if you're trying to make the Super Bowl and the Dolphins and Cowboys are on that second tier trying to make the Super Bowl, you have to be a team that can cover both wide receivers. Got to be able to cover A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Got to be able to cover Waddle and Tyreek. Got to be able to do that. So that's why you're seeing these doubled-up cornerback tandems, and I think the Dolphins and Cowboys did a great job on that. I, I don't really want to do the sliders right now because you see teams like losing guys like the Eagles, like the Bengals, and you don't want to overreact to that right now. So I'll say some teams mm-hmm. have helped themselves. Some teams have at least done a good job of not hurting themselves.
Mike, as always, appreciate the time. Best of luck trying to decipher everything that Aaron Rodgers continues to say on the Pat McAfee Show, and we look forward to uh, following your work as you do so. No problem. We go into the coffin of darkness for a couple hours, and when I come out, I'll understand everything. <laughs> oh, better you than me. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. You got it. Bye-bye now. Once again, Mike Tanier there with Football Outsiders. So with Aaron Rodgers and the news here a few minutes ago that uh, his intention is to play for the New York Jets and that the trade still has to get ironed out between the Packers and the Jets, once he is a New York Jet... Dak Prescott becomes the NFL's longest tenured wow. starting quarterback. He has been with the Cowboys as a starter since 2016. That is wild to think about. Yeah, I remember, obviously, you know, the Romo preseason drama is how he actually got that job to begin with. Uh, yes. Strange circumstances, strange times in the NFL, but that's where we're at. Uh, your calls, if you'd like to join the program now, 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. We'll also hop into a first four action that continues tonight. March Madness is upon us as well. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro. It is The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com and the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Here is a Wednesday, March 15th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. All right, so there is a little bit of drama that's going on involving Aaron Rodgers as he's no. speaking on the Pat McAfee show. And I have a feeling that this particular hashtag is going to be trending for quite some time. <laughs> Lose my number. So apparently oh. that is what Aaron Rodgers told Adam Schefter as he was going through a rant of how very oh. frustrated he has been with Adam Schefter. Also his frustrations with Diana Rossini's reporting about the quote unquote list of demands that he had for him to go to New York, that they were not demands, that he was just asked his opinion on what he thought about teammates. And he obviously was putting in a good word for those particular teammates. Anyway, it's amazing you mentioned this because I literally during the break just, you know, I saw Schefter talking and, you know, undid my little mute button here. And he said, lose my number. And I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Right. <laughs> so, so this yeah. is what's the you know, lose my number. So yeah. Adam Schefter has moments ago just put on Twitter confirming Aaron Rodgers' report. And he screenshot the uh, text message that Aaron Rodgers sent to him that says, lose my number. Good try, though. So apparently it has been confirmed. It's a thing that has happened. And hashtag lose my number will be uh, trending worldwide now. Change your number. How about that one? Oh, goodness gracious. That well, might be a problem. All, all the, his ex, uh, 
you know, women friends would lose his phone number. Maybe maybe he liked that in some cases. Well, one thing we don't <laughs> want you to do is to lose our number to the station, 602-260-1060. Uh, we'll have some more phone call time around 11.15 today as we turn our attention here now to March Madness and first four topics. Texas A&M Corpus Christi topped Southeast Missouri State yesterday, 75-71, and their reward for the big victory they now face the number one overall seed, Alabama, tomorrow. That would be true. I mean, but they're happy that they won the first ever tournament game. Yeah, you know, they won it without their best player. Uh, I'm not sure if we even talked about this, but their best player got hurt. You know, Hendricks got hurt in the uh, conference championship game and technically got hurt in the semifinal of the conference championship with a knee injury. He tried to play in the final game of that conference tournament and you know, basically blew out the knee. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Murdoch's, uh, not Hendricks, but uh, Murdoch's, uh, point guard, leading assist guy, leading scorer, etc. And uh, they still were able to win yesterday without him. And uh, I did mention yesterday that you know, court, that uh, Southeast Missouri State, uh, top five amongst uh, teams in fouls per game which is not a good stat. And then last night, as it turns out, Corpus Christi was 27 to 35 in the free throw line. And Southeast Missouri state was nine out of 20. And that's a, that's an 18 point differential there. And it was a four point game. So there's the game for you. Then you have a close contest here, but uh, brutal shooting. Pitt outlasted yeah. Mississippi State 60-59. to 59. Mississippi State shot 26.1% from three. Dominated the glass, though, 49-28, to 28, including 18-6 to 6 on the offensive glass. But it wasn't enough as Pitt held on to win. So Pitt will now play Iowa State on Friday. Last I saw, Iowa State minus three and a half, Pitt plus three and a half. Yeah, um, rock fight material there too. You know, Pitt wants to run up and down and score. Uh, they ran up and down last night, but they didn't score. But they scored enough. And Burton is a really good player. I'm not sure if he's an NBA player, but he has a professional future somewhere for sure. And he made the game-winning shot. And uh, like everybody in Dayton uh, and everywhere else in the world, knew that he was going to get the get the they're going to run a play for him to get the game-winning shot as it turned out, with 10 seconds to go. And then Mississippi State had two really good looks at the end. They got a three in the corner, which was a really well-designed play out of the timeout. And that was, uh, you know, not not good. And then they had a tip-in try right at the rim uh, to win the game. They missed them both. They lose by one. Uh, and, you know, you said brutal shooting. This is just a brutal game. This was really, really a difficult game to watch. So tonight, it gets started. Farley Dickinson versus Texas Southern, 3.40 p.m. on True TV. Farley Dickinson plus 2.5, Texas Southern minus 2.5. Yeah, and Farley Dickinson, uh, an interesting team. Uh, but uh, Texas Southern beat ASU uh, back in, I can't remember if that was November or December. It was in the pre-conference schedule, and uh, that was kind of their claim to fame. And yeah, they have the uh, fewest wins of any team in this tournament, by the way, uh, Texas Southern does. Then you have Nevada and ASU, and we'll get to our winner uh, as part of the poll questions a little bit later on in the show. But from a line perspective, Nevada plus 2.5, ASU minus 2.5, 6.10 p.m. start or at the conclusion of the first game on True TV. Kind of depends on where you're betting on this. There's actually at least one or two locations in the state of Nevada 
that has Nevada as the favorite is by one, one and a half. And then obviously seems like pretty much everywhere else on the planet that ASU is a small favorite, two, two and a half. So kind of a, who knows, it might come down to actually both these teams have played a bunch of close games. So it, it might actually, uh, the point spread might actually matter. Depend, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, if you have access to betting in Nevada and you want ASU, that's probably your best route. So I thought this was interesting. Some sports books have uh, total conference wins for the entire tournament. And if you're not a believer in the Mountain West and if you think things are going to get started with an ASU victory tonight, maybe consider Mountain West. The last numbers I saw over three and a half wins is minus 125 under three and a half wins is at minus 105. I would take a look at this a little differently. I mean, how many games do you think San Diego State's going to win? I actually think they're pretty good, uh, but I do not think I'm not a believer in in Boise State or Utah State at all. I'm really perplexed not to answer the poll question early here, but I'm really perplexed as to what to do with ASU and Nevada. Nothing would surprise me in this game tonight. Close game, not close game. You know, Nevada wins, ASU wins. I have no idea. Uh, what's actually going to happen in this game. I guess I just gave away my answer, but whatever. Uh, but uh, I think San Diego State, they might be pretty good. Uh, they're always good defensively. They're never going to be aesthetically pleasing on the offensive side, but they're better offensively than they have been. They've also gotten off to some terrible starts in some games, and they've overcome most of those terrible starts to win, including the Mountain West Conference Championship game last Saturday against Utah State. That was one of those games. Uh, but uh, So if, I, if I'm thinking about this, I think you just have to, at least for me, I would have to figure out how many games and how far do you think San Diego State can go and then figure out the difference and whether you think the other teams in this conference can win enough games for that to be an over. Uh, I'll just run through the other conferences that I saw listed. Uh, Pac-12 over six and a half or under six and a half wins. Over was plus money, plus 120. Under was minus 150. The WCC over three and a half wins at plus 130. Under three and a half at minus 160. The Big 12 over 11 and a half wins at plus 115. Under 11 and a half wins at minus 145. The Big 10 over seven and a half wins minus 125 under seven and a half wins minus 105 the AAC over three and a half wins minus 150 under three and a half plus 120 and the Big East at over seven and a half wins at minus 105 and under seven and a half wins at minus 125 the only thing that just pops to mind here not necessarily to wager but just kind of got my attention is that the AAC you've got two teams right you've got Gonzaga and, and Memphis oh yes I'm sorry AAC I thought you were I don't know why I yes. heard you say WCC, but yes, I, said, I don't think I said that. No, you but didn't. A, yeah. That was okay. my fault. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, there's only two teams in, and yeah, who's Houston? We don't know if Sasser. We assume Sasser's okay. I actually like Memphis, but I hate their draw. <laughs> so that's a uh, you know kind of a two you know all kinds of you know I'm not sure what to think. I, I wish Memphis were playing in a different. Uh, if they, I wish they were in a different quad of four teams. I would like their chances much more to advance. And Houston's draw is actually not that bad. No, it's great. And they got, I think they got given a, a gift from the committee that's basically, you know, Kansas got screwed and Houston benefited from Kansas getting hosed and moved out of Kansas City. We wrap up our number one of Extra Point on the other side of the break. 
need social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Point wrapping up hour number one right here on this Wednesday, March 15th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Go through the Valspar Championship quickly here in Brook Resort Copperhead Course from Palm Harbor, Florida. It's a par 71, 7,340 yards. There's a tough three hole finishing stretch known as the Snake Pit. Things that we need to look out for this week in terms of metrics for who typically performs well here at this course strokes gained on approach strokes gained around the green strokes gained putting and strokes gained t to green sam burns he is the defending champion in fact he's back to back defending champion if he were to three-peat he would join an elite company uh stewart appleby did it at the century tournament of champions from 2004 to 2006 steve stricker did it at the john deere classic 2009 to 2011 and well tiger woods has done it eight times in his career so uh sam burns he's not coming in in very good form at all uh it's actually quite astonishing what has been taking place with him if you look at his metrics for strokes gained on approach he's lost 1.3 strokes on approach at the genesis invitational he lost 9.12 strokes on approach at api i cannot stress enough how bad that is 9.12 strokes that he lost on approach and then he lost 0.92 strokes on approach at the players championship so his odds heading into uh this week are six six 16 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Justin Thomas, he's the betting favorite at 10 to 1, but he's hemorrhaging strokes around the greens and just doesn't look like JT of old. Maybe this is a course that he finds something. Jordan Spieth, he's 12 to 1. If you're looking at the top of the board, he's always so erratic, but he's at least playing a little bit better and a little bit more consistent, and he has had previous past success at this particular golf course. It should be a Matt Fitzpatrick golf course here. He's at 15 to 1, but he's coming in in kind of a up and down sort of phase in his game dealing with a neck injury inconsistent play in 2023 he's had a t7 missed cut t29 missed cut t14 missed cut and he's losing on approach in five of those six events so we're pivoting here to adam hadwin at 24 to 1 plus a top 20 justin rose in a top 20 uh then we're also going with some long shots here he's a young player from the university of texas he's on a sponsor's invite Pearson Cootie top 40 and Ryan Garrard also on a sponsor's invite uh, for a top 40. Uh, Some other names that are certainly hot and trending for this event are Victor Perez, Tommy Fleetwood, but the question's always surrounding Tommy Fleetwood. Can he win? So that's the Valspar Championship, and we'll continue uh, with that throughout the week. Hour number two is coming up of the Extra Point. He's Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro, right here on KDOS AM 1060.